And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Today, our show will focus on the battle between freedom and tyranny, and we have an amazing guest this is a person who's on the front lines. He also works behind the scenes. And he's very humble, but he has no idea how important he is to this movement. And you have no idea how important you are either. Because if you have freedom and liberty in your heart and you are willing to speak those values to the world, my goodness, humanity needs you now more than ever. And if you're willing to have an extra four or five more kids out there that are also pro-liberty, that's even better because the people that are pro-tyranny and that are pro-stupid, like they seem to be having kids all the time. They're like having like litter, like, I don't know, like aliens. I don't know what they're doing. They're just, they're having a lot of kids. So we got to, we got to step it up in that particular way. But yeah, it's a crazy battle that's going on. Have you ever heard this before where they're like, oh, you know, Future generations are going to one day look back and they're going to say, what were those people thinking? And they were so unwise. Well, it's like this assumption that for some reason in the future, distant future that no one can see, that humanity suddenly has wisdom and they're much more enlightened than what they are now. And I don't believe that based on this current trajectory. I think that the present moment right now, this moment right now, is the most important moment in the history of humanity. If freedom does not prevail now, it's never going to prevail and the most important people in the world are people like you. Yeah, no pressure. It's all on you. It's all on you. It's all on me. It's all on our featured guests. We, if we don't uh, succeed, it's done. So uh, let's break some bread. Let's drink some beers. And let us come together once again as we learn from an amazing guest and what we can do to further the cause of liberty. Let us begin tonight's show. It is a great honor to welcome to our show for the very first time, actually second time, Daniel McAdams. He's the co-host of the Ron Paul Liberty Report. You can learn more about Daniel by going to ronpaullibertyreport.com. In addition to that, Daniel is also an impassioned advocate fighting for freedom. He's been working tirelessly over many years to try to raise a greater awareness of what is happening. Daniel. Thank you for being on our show, and thank you for all that you do. Ryan, it's an honor to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. All right, so you've been doing this show with Dr. Paul for how many years? And if you look and you observe of where things are headed, what do you see as a bigger picture as far as freedom in the U.S. goes and freedom on the world stage goes? Well, we've been doing the show since 2015. We started actually in the spring of 2015. Uh, just thought we'd put together our little YouTube channel and see what happened. But we've, um, we've grown the show since then on YouTube uh, to where we're hitting, getting pretty close to 300,000 subscribers. 
So it's, uh, it really has grown. And whenever something bad happens in the world, our numbers grow, uh, which is uh, both heartening and disheartening at the same time. Um, but <clears throat> this, as for the state of freedom in the world, and especially in our country, Ryan, I've never been more concerned. Uh, the so. feeling that we have now that if, uh, if someone disagrees with you, uh, you don't just have a discussion or decide to ignore the person. Uh, you try to destroy the person. And uh, actually, Glenn Greenwald had a great piece this week about that as well, about how journalists are no longer acting as journalists. They're running around on social media trying to find someone who says something objectionable so they can have them canceled. And and it's just a, it's kind of a uh, pernicious. Uh, this is the real virus that's going through our society and it will have a chilling effect on freedom, I think. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And I, I'm actually perplexed as to how so many people would consent to something like this like they're willingly and they i mean this the state can only issue decrees but if the people don't acknowledge it or believe in it 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 doesn't seem like they would have any power is it are you surprised that there hasn't been a more substantial pushback yet and if so when do you what is the breaking point what do you think would actually cause it or is it is it or is it never going to happen at this point do you think well, I think what we've seen, uh, and it's an overused term, but I think what we're seeing is gaslighting on an absolutely uh, monumental scale and everything from the virus uh, to the social media situation to cancel culture uh, to PC gone rampant. Uh, th- this whole thing is just an, a giant exercise in gaslighting people, and it is working. Uh, you know, why, why don't people stand up uh, to the, even the local city and uh, local officials uh, for the oppressive measures taken. Why don't people uh, stand up on mass when social media cancels people? And it's not just, there's a, you know, as libertarians, you know, we see things a little differently. You know, the conservatives are convinced uh, that they're the only ones being targeted by the big, the big tech companies. And that's absolutely not true. Uh, the whole point of this is to really narrow, extremely narrow uh, the, the, the pathway of acceptable discourse so that you don't have uh, progressive anti-war people causing trouble for the Biden administration wouldn't want that, would we? Uh, and then also conservative groups that are not playing the right game for Washington also will get canceled. So this is the problem is a kind of divide and conquer thing when you don't see the big picture. That No, no, it's not just one side being canceled out. It's a bigger picture that want people to color inside the lines. And that's not a great thing. It's not a healthy thing for a vibrant society that values liberty. Yeah, and it's just pretty awful. And I, I, I'm still shocked to say that Twitter canceled you and they, they've gotten rid of all these people. But I, I don't know. Do you think that there are, are viable alternatives right now to places like Twitter? Do you think that right now that if social media, these big tech companies want you out, they can pretty much put you out? Because I don't see, I mean, whether you agree or disagree with President Trump, I mean, they, they pretty much silenced them it looks like they, they pretty much put them out there i mean unless you have to unless you build your own media entity and um so how do you see that do you think there are any do you have any hope for the future as far as other social media platforms that will come up that could potential not only rival twitter or facebook you actually you you put a good thought into my head T- twitter canceled me before being canceled was cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, feel pretty, I feel pretty cool about that it was two years ago it's i think crazy. 2018 yeah, so I was canceled uh, by Twitter a long time ago. You were sharing but, uh, all those articles about peace. Like, you know what? Look at this Daniel McKenna's guy sharing <laughs> articles about peace and getting along. Now we can't have that. <laughs> I mean, actually, ironically, 
as I said earlier, the idea that it's only conservatives being canceled. Um, I was actually canceled for making fun of Sean Hannity, uh, who you'd think I would get a bonus or something, but um, <laughs> but uh, from the from the left oriented Twitter. But I, you know, I, you know, the market ultimately will will out, and it's it seems like it seems dark right now. And you know, Doctor Paul and I uh, really struggle ideologically uh, uh, with the idea that are these social media companies private businesses who can do what they want. Uh, or are they violating contracts uh, that, that, that they have with you when you sign up? Uh, are they quasi-government entities uh, that, that, uh, you know, that are essentially doing, doing the silencing that governments aren't allowed to do under our First Amendment? Uh, or is it a mix of all of these? And I think it is a mix of all of these. I don't know the simple solution uh, to, what, to how to deal with being canceled, but it really is. Uh, the equivalent. I mean, these are. This is the uh, the soapbox in the town square, and this is the equivalent of being banned from doing that. I mean, I I uh, I, I, I use Twitter a lot in those days, probably too much. I'm probably grateful for being kicked off in many ways. Uh, but once they canceled me for good, I basically disappeared. All of my following disappeared. The people that enjoyed my tweets, which were often uh, very sarcastic, um, <laughs> they were great. Uh, disappeared. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, so you basically just disappear, uh, and it's—I um, don't know—it feels very Soviet to me, doesn't it? To yeah. Be disappeared for for thinking the wrong kinds of thoughts or articulating them in a the wrong way. I do think that ultimately, uh, I, I hate sounding optimistic because I'm like Dr. Paul—I'm not a super optimist—but <laughs> I do see I do see new platforms arising. I do see challenges challenges to the uh, the, the old uh, the old platforms. Ultimately, something will shake out, you know, technology, the potential for technology is too strong. There are too many people who don't who don't like this canceling. Ultimately, something will happen. But in the short term, I don't I, I'm not very optimistic. Okay, And then sure, I feel the same way. I'm probably more much more pessimistic. And it's just because I don't see the average person having that critical thinking process or the. And I remember Dr. Paul was saying this around I think it was around the 4th of July that there's a there's a lack of morality in the country that people are immoral and i i remember listening to that and it just made so much sense i just don't i mean if you watch certain people i I find it very difficult to see people providing the common courtesy like holding the door for someone else or just acting in a courteous manner so i'm wondering if that's with it i mean i wonder if if we had a, a society of people that had a greater morality, even if they lacked the critical thinking skills, if they would behave in the same type of manner. I mean, if you observe the U.S. and you observe people in other nations, what particular types of people, uh, collectively speaking, do you think are currently in the driver's seat right now as far as uh, people that we should be emulating in terms of their behavior towards their fellow citizens? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and it's uh, the, the morality issue is central. And, and you know, Dr. Paul in his, his latest mini book that I think came out around that time, I think that's or a little bit later. But he talked about uh, we're in a great bankruptcy. We're already bankrupt on a, in a financial level. But more importantly, we're bankrupt on a moral level. Uh, and I think that is that's key. And I think you really you really hit on the core of what the problem is. The more I think about it, the more I'm convinced that a lot of this. Um, has come about because of social media. And, and I remember I was guilty of it as well when I was on Twitter. And that's why I'm, I'm glad in many ways that I'm not. But when it's sort of an anonymous person 
who who you don't know where they are, where they live, you don't know anything about them. It's very easy to be very snotty to them. And I did it many, many times, and I feel a little bit guilty about it now. But if that person was in your room and you were having a cup of coffee or you met him in a cafe, uh, uh, you may walk away. Uh, you may say, well, you know what, I, I, I'm not, I don't really agree with you, but I'll, you know, you, you know, it's okay. But you wouldn't, you know, hurl invective or try to get the guy fired. You know, <laughs> you saw a guy with a Trump hat, you wouldn't try to get him fired. I mean, in, in the real world. So I think this anonymity of social media has caused people to be a lot more, um, a, a lot nastier to each other. So that, that might be part of it, I think. And the other part of it, I think, is that there are just really nasty people out there who enjoy inflicting pain on others, you know, and, and it's, uh, you know, and this is a way to do it. So, I don't understand uh, why well, they keep on doing it. Daniel, one of the things I, I say I love about the Ron Paul Liberty Report, watching you and Chris and Dr. Paul talk on a regular basis, is I think that you guys are very grounding. The world's insane, but when you tune in and you watch your show, you realize that it's like you're not crazy. Like the whole world's going nuts. So I want to tell you, I want to say that on behalf of all the people that listen to, to our show, thank you so much. And I'm just curious, how do you, how do you and uh, Dr. Paul and Chris hold it together? I mean, is there a part of you that says, you know, maybe, maybe we're wrong. Maybe the world's right because the vast majority of people think that it's okay. Maybe we should, maybe we should wear four or five masks. Maybe this guy Fauci, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe he's an angel or something, but it's like, no, I don't know. How do you guys deal with it? It does feel that way. You know, uh, it, it does feel like, you know, you wake up and I mean, to be, I'll be extremely honest this morning. I woke up and I thought, and I, you know, we look around for the topic in the morning and we'll exchange emails. He's up a little earlier than me, but, you know, we'll exchange emails. I honestly, after browsing my usual sites and trying to rack my brain, I honestly felt for the first time, you know what? I just don't want to do the show today. I just don't want to do it. I'm just tired. You know, I'm, I'm just tired. It doesn't feel like we're making any headway. And thankfully, Dr. Paul sent me an email with some good topics, <laughs> so I, I snapped out of it. But it does feel that way, and that's, I think that's the whole purpose. There's something wrong with you, you know. And if you read, if you read some of the, the great, uh, you know, sort of uh, novels like Darkness at Noon, uh, that's such a, it's such a classic thing when, when Rubashov is, is sitting there pondering, why was I arrested? How was it possible, uh, you know, and, and just going over and over again. That, that's what happens, obsessing about it, you know, and I think that's, that's what does happen. And I think the ultimate, I don't want to sound conspiratorial because I don't necessarily know who the they are the, other than that they're the elites. But, but I think the ultimate goal is as it was in the Soviet system, not to punish people or disappear them, but the end goal, uh, the ultimate uh, is to get people to censor themselves. So they so they simply won't say those things and then eventually won't think those things. And, you know, I spent a lot of time living in barely post-communist Eastern Europe. And that habit was still very, very entrenched in people, uh, this idea of self-censorship. And you know, I'll be I'll be frank you know, with you and your listeners, Ryan. I, I, I feel it now and I think I do it. Uh, you know, I, I sometimes I pull my punches on it. You know, I was in journalism for a long time before I went to work for Dr. Paul. And I'll pull my punches on a snappy headline that I know will get a lot of attention because I realize, you know, we, we already got a warning from YouTube. And if we lose our channel, we lose almost 300,000 people, uh, you know, who are subscribers. So I'm careful when I do the descriptions. 
Uh, I'm careful what I say. And this is not, I hate admitting it. I hope I don't disappoint people, but there's just no way around it. And that's the scariest part is when you recognize it in yourself and you say, this is wrong. Shouldn't be doing this. This is not the way to live in a free society. Great. And, you know, you have to do whatever you're going to do to survive. But at the same time, I mean, by holding those punches, you realize that if every day you're out there, you guys are reaching more people. I'll never forget one of the quotes of Dr. Paul says, people can never unhear what they've been told. So every day you're out there, you may capture someone else and someone else may do something. But speaking, just specifically addressing those who are awake and aware of what's going on, what are some of the things that those who love freedom can do to, I don't know, make the world a more peaceful, vibrant place for freedom? Because I feel like the, the people here who are aware about it, I do believe that there is a greater responsibility and we have a res- people like, uh, we have a greater responsibility today than previous generations because it's so bleak right now. So what are some of the things that you think that actions that people can take that love freedom uh, to, they, they can do to kind of spread freedom and to you know, push back against this looming wall of darkness, this new iron curtain that's befalling the world? Yeah, I, I know what Dr. Paul would say, do what you want to do. <laughs> do it is a good answer. It's a great answer. But, you know, one, one of the, the best one of the best things, I think, is to is basically don't flip out. You know, it's easy when you're feeling so much despair. And I, I, I feel it. You know, the things that I used to like to do, you can't do anymore because of the uh, the, the lockdowns and this and that. The yeah, lockdown like breathing. Mentality. Can't breathe anymore. Not like a lot breathing. of breathing. <laughs> yeah, like breathing. Uh, but also just getting together, you know, our, you know, our first couple of conferences uh, that, from the Ron Paul Institute was very nerve wracking. Uh, you know, I, I, I work a lot alone. And so when I when you get in a room with so many people, I was nervous at first. But then and this is uh, like Jacob Hornberger said to an audience once when we did a joint conference, you guys recharged my batteries. And that's how it came to me as we started um, really doing more conferences and more public events, getting together physically with like minded people and having a conversation uh, just does so much. Uh, to spread the message, to expand the network, and just to reassure people that there are other people out there like this, and we're not alone. And so that is has been disappointing as one of the things that was taken from us in tw- in 2020. Although thanks to the Mises Institute and the ingenuity of of, of Jeff and his crew, Jeff Dice and his crew, we did have a conference out here uh, not far from Lake Jackson. Uh, I should call a secret location where they didn't make anyone wear masks or social distance. <laughs> And having been denied two of our normal conferences that year, it was like, you know, you just let me out of a prison cell. Uh, It was just so tremendous to talk to people and meet people and exchange contact info and, you know, uh, uh, especially meeting young homeschooled kids that are so bright and so (laughs) brilliant and so attuned. Uh, You know, I met a young family that moved over here from Poland and the young boy was so impressive. Uh, you know, but anyway, I think getting together uh, physically, if you can, uh, but, you know, keeping in touch with people, uh, I- I- you know, if you have to use electronic means, that's that's fine, too. But that's that's the best way as as to how to how to spread and expand our movement. That's tricky. It's tricky. But I think that as people sense that the system isn't working, that the system is breaking down, 
that the elites do hate us and want us to die, uh, that 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 gives us a great opportunity. And as uh, you know, as as you know, Ryan, I'm I, I'm not a Trump voter. I wasn't a Trump voter. I'm certainly not a Biden supporter. And I did feel despair when he was elected because I've I've seen him in action. I know what he's about. Uh, he's about war. He's always supported war. But you know, I started thinking as well. At the same time, I was upset. This is a great opportunity for us to really hone our message and make the case for peace and non-interventionism. So. Um, there, there are a lot of great opportunities out there, and a lot of it is just up to our creativity to, to suss out. I appreciate that answer, and I know that I believe I'm seeing some tweets from the Ron Paul Institute to give your email address, so you should give your email address and sign up for certain accounts, uh, Pete shows that you love. And I've been at the, some of the conferences, and they are amazing. The people there are terrific. I sat at a table with Gary Hevens and Luke Radowski, and you just listen to them talk and I remember one year I was sitting with Scott Ritter, um, the former UN's, uh, UN weapons inspector. He, he was terrific. But just by being around people that love freedom, I think psychologically speaking, it has an, an amazing, amazing effect. So I, you, did an amazing, you did a great job with those conferences, but they, they were always terrific. Uh, one thing I, I kind of noticed that it seems to me, maybe I'm wrong about this, but there are people within the libertarian movement that, that have faith or they're either the Catholic or the Christian, or they have some kind of belief in spirituality. So I'm curious to know how has your faith um, helped you through this and inspired you to become a stronger fighter for freedom? And how has it inspired other people that are like you, like-minded to fight stronger and fight harder for freedom? That's a great question. That's an unexpected question. I like Thank that you. question. Thank you. And I always, I always defer to, um, uh, to, to the things that Jeff Dice writes. I think he does a terrific job of writing about culture and morals in the context of libertarianism. And this is sort of a, uh, a contra, uh, the prevailing view of a lot of left libertarians and you know some people at reason. There are some good people, of course, who, who do good things. Um, but bringing that into it, uh, I think Jeff does a great job. And I think he's really kind of redefining, uh, you know, a, a sort of a moral libertarianism. And as, as, as he said, and as Dr. Paul has said, a, a libertarian society must first be a moral society. So that does come first. Um, when it comes to my own faith and my own church, it's sort of interesting because I have to, I have to battle them more than I, more than I rely on them. Really? I have certainly, uh, <laughs> I have church friends that are, um, that are certainly like-minded uh, when it comes to the world and, and the philosophy, but I once spoke at a Catholic conference called um, um, uh, uh, my speech was called um, um, oh my gosh, I forgot the first part of it now I can't believe that, but why all Catholics must reject the state and um, you know there especially in, in the United States there's a real there's a real heavy line of Americanism and America, Americanist thinking uh, among Catholics and especially conservative Catholics. And of course, among evangelicals and, and other Protestants as well, um, this kind of nationalistic uh, thinking, and it lends itself to militarism, uh, which of course we oppose in all forms. And so it's a challenge when you have to talk to people about things like Romans 13, and actually my daughter's in, in a homeschool class, and she was the only one that challenged the idea that no matter what the state tells you to do, it's okay to do it because you have to trust the state. So. It really is. Um, oh, that's what I called it. Evil empire. <laughs> Why all American Catholics must reject the state. <laughs> uh, 
And my point was basically the state views you as an enemy if you're a person of faith, because you have a faith that's above your faith in the state, which is the only faith they want you to have. Um, and we saw that sort of come out in the reaction to the January 6th events, where people were most upset that they invaded the hollowed sacred grounds of the Senate so or the, of the Capitol building, you know. Not that I approve of what they did, of course, because any kind of violence is, is not to be approved of. But it really was you're challenging this, the religion of the state. How dare you? So it's a challenge, I think, for those of us that are that are faithful people to deal with our own co-religionists when it comes to things like the state and the initiation of force. I appreciate, I appreciate the answer. We look at two forces, the forces of tyranny, those that would surrender their own liberty and you know become immersed in collective tyranny to infringe upon another and we've got that that one force tyranny and then we've got the force people who have freedom and love within their heart they're willing to do it from what i can see i think that people who love freedom that i think i think there's a greater intensity and a more willingness to fight but i also think that those who are pro tyranny there's just more of them but i i'm trying to gauge what is the greater force at this point in time? What do you foresee? Is that what do you see right now? Is the greater force? What do you think of those two forces I described? What is making more progress? And do you think that either one of them could burn out and uh, ultimately lose by default because it would collapse upon its own energy? I think tyranny right now is in the driver's seat. Okay. Uh, there's no question about it. But I think as I as I said earlier, probably not in a very effective way. But I think that gives us the opportunity to better de develop. The arguments of liberty, um, ironically, as we have that boot on our neck, it's, it sort of inspires us to try to make an argument against it. But one of the things that Dr. Paul says quite often, and I really like this, because um, we talk a lot about the lockdowners versus the pro-freedom people when it comes to the virus. And he always notices that the lockdowners, the people like Gretchen Whitmer and the mayor of Chicago, Lightfoot, and these others, the lockdowners, the people that want to keep you home, they always look so miserable. They always look so yeah. unhappy, <laughs> you know, so nasty. And when you look at people fighting for freedom and that, the word fight, I mean, struggling for freedom, people are pushing freedom. They always seem so happy uh, and so upbeat and so positive. And I just think that's a really neat observation that he makes, just how unpleasant <laughs> and unhappy and nasty the lockdown types are. And that's what they want. So they want something that jobs. Uh, some of our listeners have brought it before because we've had Ron, uh, Dr. Paul on our show. Uh, does, because you've, you've worked with him for so long, does Dr. Paul have an IV of Red Bull uh, next to him in all hours of the day because he's got a ridiculous <laughs> amount of energy? Like, I know, I've seen people that are like 85 and they're out, you know, they're playing bocce ball or they're sitting around playing cards and Dr. Paul's <laughs> like, you know, what? I'm just going to go out and take on the deep state. And he's got, he's got, he's like a superhuman. Like what? So is there anything he does? Is there any, is there any kind of food that he eats? Does he have any kind of regimen that we can kind of adopt? Because I would love to have that kind of energy. <laughs> I mean, I'm for Well, <laughs> well, the funny thing is before he comes in there and rolls up his sleeves and fights for Liberty, he's been out already walking probably about four miles in the morning. He gets <sighs> up early and he walks every day. Um, he really is a strong believer in exercise and physical fitness. And I wish I was more like him there, uh, you know, but he really, you know, he, <laughs> and I think that helps, that helps him, of course, it gives him the energy, but I think hard work, you know, I love, I love that kind of German work ethic and, you know, the sort of the, the German Lutheran work ethic, and he really has it, but I think he gets great pleasure from working. 
And he and, and I know he enjoys it because we'll be walking into the studio, uh, getting ready to do the show. And I'm, of course, really nervous. I'm trying to get all my thoughts and everything together. He kind of waltzes in, cracks a few jokes. And I'm like, Dr. Paul, focus, focus. You know, and he doesn't. Be, he's already He's already got it. He's already got it wired. You know, I'm the stressed out one. Uh, but he'll come in and make some jokes about our our um, our uh, studio guy. You know, and hey, why don't you do the show today? Huh? It's just genuinely funny. It, it's not funny at the time because I'm stressed out, but afterward I'll start cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> we should do some of our outtakes because they really are. Extremely funny. <laughs> oh, you guys are doing amazing work. Daniel McAdams, Executive Director for the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity and co-host for the Ron Paul Liberty Report. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Learn more about Daniel, Dr. Paul, Chris Zini by going to ronpaullibertyreport.com. And I highly suggest that when you go there, please sign up with your email address because YouTube may cancel at any point in time. They decide, Facebook decided to cancel Dr. Paul because, oh, you know, he's talking about peace too much. So do it. But uh, Daniel... I have so much admiration and respect for you and the work that you've done. You've fought so hard for freedom. You're doing an amazing job. So uh, thank you for all that you do. Thanks, Ron. Feelings mutual. Okay, everyone. That concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of the Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our amazing guest, Daniel McAdams. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Constance Dallas, and social producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. And until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care and thank you so much for listening.